We're going to go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. Every week we go to the Word of God because we believe that it is God's opinion that matters, not ours. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may be abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And everyone said, Amen. Matthew chapter 4, 19. I think I've got that. Do I have that? Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. This is the verse that formulated our mission statement at our church. And the mission statement reads, to belong to Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to be a blessing in Jesus' name. In a Jesus' name. Janice Lee. So we're spending a few weeks on, 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 on looking at these three key words. What does it mean to belong? What does it mean to become? And what does it mean to be a blessing? Last week we talked about belonging. And you know what? Last week we talked about belonging, that, that we belong to God, that, that our identity is found in God. And I was thinking about it this week and I was like, man, I should have told them the story of my own children, right? Like, so I have four children, right? So all four of them belong to me. You know, they don't need to do anything to belong to me. They just are mine. And that's the same way that we belong to God. We're just God's children. And it's not necessarily about the way you live your life, whether you live it in a worthy manner. or unworthy. It's just understanding our identity. That's who we are. That we, just, we belong to God. Tonight's main thought is this. If we belong to God, if we belong to God's family, well, what next? See, I think a lot of times when we go to church, we get told, like, become a Christian, be born again. You're a child of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You know, believe in Jesus Christ and put your faith in Him and you have eternal life. And everyone says, amen. And so many people make that decision. And they say, yes, I want to be a child of God. I want to be a son of God. I want to be a daughter of God. And then what? And then what? Well, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? And I, I think that's one of the reasons why Christians become stunted in their growth or they don't know what next to do because they don't know what the next step is. And that's why we've tried really hard to create what we call a pathway, a journey for you to understand that, that you belong to God and from there then, then you become like Jesus and then from there you be a blessing in Jesus' name. So the next phase after belonging is becoming, and we call it become like Jesus. And what does that change look like? Well, it's maturity. Now, I really need to make something very clear because it can become uh, misunderstood. To, be, to belong to Jesus, stay there. Stay, good boy. To belong to Jesus, to become like Jesus. Now, the phrase become, I need to make this very clear. It is not become a Christian. To become like Jesus is not, we're not talking about being saved. We're not talking about salvation. When you recognize that you belong to God, when you recognize your identity is in God, 
through the work of Jesus Christ and, 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 and His death and resurrection on the cross, when you identify yourself to being God's child, that is when you're born again. That's when you become a Christian. What we're talking about, okay, what we're talking about is who you uh, are becoming as, uh, stuff that sent us, just read your notes, Steve. You don't have to do anything but to accept that you are a child of God through the blood of Jesus to be God's child. But the become we are talking about is becoming who you are declared to be. Okay? The becoming we're ta- we, we are talking about is about becoming who you already are, have been declared to be. Okay? And that is a child of God. So in the belonging stage, you, we will say that you belong to God. The becoming like Jesus is, well, how do we grow into that? Okay? Uh, one Corin- uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Ephesians 5.8, for, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Doing something won't make you a child of light. The becoming is you are already a child of light. Start living like that. Okay? The become like Jesus is telling us that we must grow and live as our new identity. And we have the perfect role model that is Jesus. That's the become we're talking about. Can I tell you something funny? Well, even if you say no, I'm going to share it anyway. In every area of our lives, in most areas of our lives, in, 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 in the majority of areas of our lives, we accept that it is human nature to grow, to develop, to mature, and change. We accept that that's just a part of life. For example, my two-month-old son wears nappies. He walks in with nappies. Well, he doesn't walk in. He gets strolled in in nappies. Nobody has a problem with that. Why? Because it's natural. That's just what babies do. They wear nappies. Now, if my five-year-old daughter or my eight-year-old son or my 11-year-old son walked in with nappies, you would be thinking there is something seriously wrong medically or mentally with this child. We would not accept that. We would think that this is unusual. Or if at your workplace, a new colleague came to work, same position as you, right? Of course, when they first start working, they're going to be like, hey, so where's the bathroom? Hey, so how do I do this? Hey, what's my login for this, right? And you're like, of course, they're new. I'm going to help them. But can you imagine in a year's time, they're still like, hey, so where was the bathroom again? Hey, so what was my login again? So what does this button do again? You know, what, you know? That person would get fired. Like, after a year, if they haven't changed or developed or grown or matured, don't you think from a company's perspective, it's a waste of time. See, in our minds, there are things that are acceptable and then there are things that are not acceptable. Someone you know, after a year doing a job, if they couldn't do it, you wouldn't just go, oh, you know, you know, give him a bit more time. No, we wouldn't accept that. What about when you went to the gym? If you've been going to the gym and you get a personal trainer, right, 
And after one year, one year of personal training, right, there is no change at all. Would we accept that? You're paying like $50 a session. Would you accept that? No way. No one would accept that. After a year of going to the gym, your body hasn't changed. You're not more disciplined. You're not bigger or smaller in whatever area, you know, you're working on. Like, you know, like nobody would accept that because we expect development, growth, maturity, and change. We expect that in these areas. And yet, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our spiritual journey, the irony of it all is this. For some reason, if we don't grow in our faith, if we don't grow in our knowledge of the Bible, if we don't mature as a Christian, everyone's like, oh, that's okay. You just need to give them some time. You just need to love them more. You just need to, you know, just let them be. You know, you just need to be more gracious. For some reason, every other area of our lives, we would not accept it. But when it comes to faith, somehow it's acceptable. It's interesting, right? I've been a pastor for 14 years. I've seen it all. I've seen it all. I've seen people, first time they're in church, first time they hear the name of Jesus and they make a decision to belong to God. And from the very next day, every part of their life changes. From the way that they speak, from the way that they spend their money, from what they live for, their purpose of everything changes. I've seen that. And then I've seen people 14 years doing the same journey and the growth is like snail pace. But here's the thing. I've got no problem with that either. I'm not saying that I'm frustrated because the rate of change and development is slow or fast. That's not, I don't think, I don't think that's what God is concerned about at all. It's the ones that don't change at all. And it's the ones that aren't willing to change. Or the ones that, that they don't care whether they grow or not because all the, I'm coming to church. I'm ticking off that box. It's those people that are indifferent to their spiritual journey. They're the frustrating ones. Because you would not accept it in any other area. You know, you tell your personal trainer, you know, oh, you know, I've been paying you, you know, 50 bucks, you know, a week, two and a half grand. Oh, but, you know, maybe, maybe next year will be a better year for us. You know, you just take your time. I feel like you're just growing. No one would say that. And yet when it comes to our faith, why do we become so indifferent? That's why we have the pathways to show and to, 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 to illustrate Okay, not just the importance of growth, but how to grow. Now, this is the pathways that we have, right? And this is just this is just a life cycle of a human being. It's not something special that we put together. This is just your life. Okay, you were unborn once, and then you were born, and then you're an infant and child and young adult and adult and parent, and you grow. 
See, we accept this to be human nature. And we're going to use the same model within our spiritual journeys as well. You know, we believe that there are certain indicators in different areas and different stages of this model that you will be in. And then we want to help you to be able to go to the next or how to grow. See, the first point that, that I really need to make strongly is that it's important to grow. It's not okay for you to just be stagnant, just where you're at. And that's not struggling, okay? We had a conversation about this as well. It doesn't mean that if you're struggling in your faith, if you're struggling in areas of your faith, growing or not growing, that's not stagnant. That's movement. What we're talking about is no movement at all. Being indifferent to who, like whatever state, whatever maturity you are. See, that's what we're not okay with. So the first thing is this. Don't be indifferent to your spiritual growth. Don't be so like, you know, laissez-faire about, you know, who you are as a Christian and whether you're growing or not. Because it's important. And the second thing that we want to talk about, uh, and more so, is, well, how do you know if you're growing? How do you know if you're growing? You know, some of us, we've been going to church for 10 years. Some of us have been going to 20 years. Do you, are you growing? How do you know if you're growing? Right? You know, when you go to the gym, right, there are sure measures to know whether you are moving forward in your health goals. For example, uh, like me, I'm trying to lose some weight. So it's simple. Go on the scales. Have you lost weight? Yes. Good. You're on the right direction. Uh, have you gained weight? Yes. Well, that's work harder at the gym that day. You know, like, you know, th there are sure ways, you know, like there are people like abs, like his name is abs, you know, like his nickname is abs. Like you think, right? I used to have a friend and his nickname was Mango and people didn't know. It was this short, stocky guy and, and, and people that don't know him, they don't know why his nickname is Mango. It's because he, oh, what's this muscle here? This, I don't know what that muscle is. Yeah, look like mangoes. That's why his nickname was Mangoes, right? So there are ways at the gym that, that we can measure growth or non-growth. And sometimes we think, oh, spirituality, how can we measure that? How can we measure whether we're maturing or not? And we think, oh, you know, I, there is no measurement. It's just up to God. No, 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 no. The Bible doesn't leave us just hanging to just be like, if you feel like you're growing, then you must be growing. Or just do whatever you kind of feel. No, it doesn't work like that. You know, when our kids grow up, they grow out of nappies, they feed themselves, they put their own clothes on. These are some of the markers that show growth and maturity. And in the passage we read today in, in Philippians, the, the Apostle Paul gives us some of these markers. Okay? The Apostle Paul writes to the Christians in the church in Philippi to encourage them to continue growing spiritually. See, friends, spiritual life, the spiritual journey uh, is an uphill walk, right? You, you, you have to progress forward, but if you actually stay still, if you don't actually make any moves because of the slope, you're actually going to move backwards. You know, the slope is the pressures of this world. The, 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 the evil in this world, the sinfulness in this world. If we're not purposely moving forward, well, there's no such thing as just remaining where you are. That's, that's rubbish. 
You're either moving forward or you're moving backward in your spiritual journey. What are some of the ways that we know uh, that that uh, are marked? Uh, what are some of the markers for mature Christians? Now, Paul in this passage is going to give us six. Okay, now these are not, I'm, I'm, we're not sharing this with you so that you feel guilty about where you're at. Actually, we're sharing with this with you so that you would be encouraged to pursue these things. And maybe have a think about, well, where am I? Where, where, where do I sit? You know, we're, we're, we're in the process, Pastor May, myself, some of the leads, we're in the process of, of catching up with, with uh, the people in our church and going through these uh, ideas and going, well, where do you think you're at? And, you know, what do you think you need to work on? And things like that, right? And so uh, the Apostle Paul is going to give six areas that earmarks spiritual maturity, okay? And it all comes out of Philippians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. The first is this, a mature Christian is marked with abounding love. Everyone say abounding love. Oh, that's good. Hopefully, there is six of them, so hopefully they get, the response gets better. Philippians 1.9, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more. See, Jesus says in John 13.35 that they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. Spiritual maturity has everything to do with love. The way you love God, the way that you love each other, it changes as you grow and as you become more mature. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between mature love and immature love. Immature love is, is still very self-centered. still about me. Uh, what present should I get? Or they should hang out with me. Or they should sacrifice time to hang out with me. That's, that's immature love. But, but mature love starts to become about you. Or starts to become about the us. As we grow spiritually, as we become more like Jesus, the way we love must mature too. You know, the way a child loves the parent, and the way that the parent loves the child is completely different, right? Like parents are self, you know, they're sacrificing everything to give the kid, you know, the best education and the best housing and whatever, right? Kids don't sacrifice for parents. Kids just draw cards. I love you, dad. You're the best mom in the world. And, and that, is, that is their expression of their love. But it's so different, right? See, that's the difference between a child and a parent. That's the difference between immaturity and maturity. This is the mark of maturity. To become like Jesus is to learn to love like Jesus. And how did Jesus love? He died on the cross. The second is this. A mature Christian is marked by growing knowledge. Everyone say growing knowledge. Uh, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. A mature Christian is growing in the knowledge of God and in the knowledge of Scripture. If my first son, Chris, at the age of 11, is still learning the alphabet, there's a problem there. There's a problem there. He, he, things haven't developed. 
But let me say this, right? When people ask you about the Bible, or you're in life group and you're doing a Bible study, and, and I'm going to say this as real as possible, if your answers are still God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Bible, and love, the same answers that my five-year-old daughter gives down in the garden, and you've been coming to church for over 10 years, something has not happened. Development. Growth. Our knowledge of God must grow. And if it hasn't, then something's missing. You know, primarily our knowledge of God grows through the way we study the Scriptures. Because that's the primary way that we learn about God, through His Word. You know, that's why we encourage people to engage with the Scriptures on a daily basis. So you can maintain relationship and learn more about God. But there are other ways that you can learn about God. You can develop your knowledge of God through your prayer life. You can develop your knowledge of God through your encounters and experiences with God. And you can learn more about God just by looking at nature. To become like Jesus is to grow in knowledge of God and His Word. Thirdly, a mature Christian is marked by spiritual discernment. Everyone says spiritual discernment. Verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. The phrase, so that you may be able to discern. The, the term discernment is the ability to decide between truth and error, right and wrong. Discernment. Let me give you an example. As a young Christian, uh, as a young Christian, uh, you might not have a problem drinking alcohol, and you might not have a problem drinking alcohol anywhere, anytime with anyone. And you think to yourself, you know what, in the Bible, it says very clearly that the sin is getting drunk and not drinking, and so I could just drink anything and anywhere, as long as I don't get drunk. Right? And this is as a young Christian. But, but as you grow and mature, what you may come to is a conclusion that as much as drinking may not be a sin, that there is a right place and a right time and even right people to drink with because of other things that are happening around. Maybe you become a stumbling block. If I started drinking, I don't know, if I started drinking right now, right, like if I just pulled out a can of beer right now, right, and if you're new to the church, you know, and, and, and you know, like someone new to the church might be like, why, why, why would the pastor do that? You know, and for the most of you that are like, yeah, that's just Steve. You know, like that's just what he does, right? But, but it could put people in an awkward situation. As a young Christian, I could go up to that person and say, hey, man, why are you being so legalistic, man? The Bible doesn't say you can't drink. Jesus turned water into wine. You know, why are you being so legalistic? That's not what our religion is about. But as I grow and as we mature, we realize it's not just about the, the black and white, but it's understanding the context. I don't want to make that person struggle. I don't want to, I don't want to stumble that person because it's something that, you know, I'm allowed to do. See, that's spiritual discernment. Knowing what the right thing is at the right time. To become like Jesus is to grow in our spiritual 
this sermon. Fourth, a mature Christian is marked by spiritual integrity. Everyone say spiritual integrity. Verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Paul prays for the Christians in Philippi, and he says that they would be pure and blameless. Now, don't, 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 don't misquote this. Paul does not say perfect and sinless, but he says pure and blameless. And the word we can use to describe this is integrity. Integrity simply means doing what you say. To have integrity means to be sincere and honest. And a mark of spiritual integrity, the mark of spiritual integrity is not to strive for perfection, but actually is to have the humility to admit our faults and our struggles and to stand honestly before them. That's spiritual integrity. Immature Christians are not honest. They're not honest with God. They're not honest with uh, each other people. And they're not honest with themselves. But as we mature, we learn. It's not about perfection. It's not about being the hotshot. It's not about having my life together. Actually, it's okay to have brokenness. It's okay to live in tension. A lack of humility is a sure sign of immaturity. A sure sign. Have you ever been in this situation? You're in small group, life group, or you catch up with some friends and, hey, how can I pray for you today? Where are you struggling? Oh, I'm not struggling. I'm fine. Everything's great. Immature. <laughs> Arrogance proud. No one's fine. They're just not being honest. To become like Jesus is to be sincere, honest, and humble, and have integrity. Number five, a mature Christian is marked by good fruit. Everyone say good fruit. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. A mature Christian produces good fruit. What are these good fruits? Galatians 5, 22, 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. As we grow in spiritual maturity... We should see more of these fruits become evident in our lives. They should become more obvious in our lives. As we let the Holy Spirit take control of our being, then naturally the, the fruits of the, Spirit, of the Spirit will come out in your life. However, for, however, for immature Christians, what they produce looks less like what the Holy Spirit can produce and more like what the world produces. And we read what that is a few verses before in 19 to 21. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and Pokemon. I mean, and the like. Let me ask you, what 
fruits represent your life? Which list is closer to, to describing your life? Fruits of the Spirit or fruits of the flesh? As we become mature, we should be striving for less of the world and more of the Spirit. We should be moving away from the ways of the world and moving closer to the Holy Spirit. To become like Jesus is to produce good fruits like Jesus. Finally, number six, a mature Christian is marked by glorifying God. Everyone say glorifying God. Verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. A mark of a mature Christian is that everything that they do, they do for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do, I guess including playing Pokemon, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. As we grow in maturity, our motivations change. They mature. It's like income. Right? Money you earn from your job. When you're single, when you're living at home, your mom's still ironing your undies, folding them and putting them in your drawer. You know, you're earning 50K. You know what? You can go and spend. You can go and buy yourself a car. You can go and buy yourself a, a surfboard. You can go traveling. You know, like, you can do that. You, you have the freedom to do that. Uh, but once you get married, and once you have children, the way you spend your income changes, and it matures as you change. Now imagine, right? Imagine I went out, and instead of paying for my children's school fees, which are starting to get quite expensive, imagine I bought new clothes. Every Sunday, I just came in some new clothes. Someone said to me, Steve, I've seen you wear that shirt three weeks in a row. And I said, you know what? You didn't have a problem with Steve Jobs wearing the same thing every time. I'm just trying to be like that. You know, but imagine I invested, right, my income uh, into new clothes every week and my kids were going hungry. Everyone would say to me, you are irresponsible and you are immature father. Right? It must change. It's the same with our lives. The more we grow in our spiritual maturity, we realize that actually the lives that we live, we don't live for ourselves. That the reason why we exist is not for my kingdom, nor my glory, nor my comfort. And as we grow in spiritual maturity, we realize that we are not the center of the universe, but God is the center of the universe. And so we start living for not our glory, but His glory. To become like Jesus is to give glory to God in everything that we do. Six markers. Six markers of spiritual maturity. Abounding love. 
Growing knowledge, spiritual discernment, spiritual integrity, good fruit, glorifying God. In the early 2000s, uh, one of the uh, big trends within the Christian circles were these wristbands. WWJD. I'm sure most of us had one of these. I had many of these. It, it became quite a fashion trend, really. I even had the glow-in-the-dark ones. So even at nighttime, you couldn't see my face, but you could see that I love Jesus. <laughs> you know, like... We were talking about this in, our, in the pre-service gathering. Pastor May was telling us the irony of this. When this was the most trendy thing, this was the number one stolen item at Kurong Bookshop as well. <laughs> what would Jesus do? Well, obviously not steal. You know, this was, so, this was so popular for so long. And that's what, it says, that's what it stands for. What would Jesus do? And the, re- the reason why this came out was it was to remind us no matter where we went, have it on your wrist. Some of them had headbands, some had t-shirts, hats, whatever. It was to remind us of this question, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus do, you know, in your situation? It was to help us as believers to consider Christ. That as we considered Jesus, as we considered his, his desires, as we considered his thoughts, the way that he would have lived, that, that we would think about him and that we would try to do our best to become like him because that's what spiritual maturity was about. See, friends, it's not just a punchline, what would Jesus do? Actually, that's how we grow. That's how we mature in our faith as we become more like Jesus because Jesus was the perfect model. You know, we we don't just say, hey, become like Jesus because he was a good guy. No, he was perfect. Had the perfect relationship with God the Father. That's what we want. That's what we're moving towards. Now, we'll never get there because we're not God. The Bible says, follow me. Follow my example. As I follow Christ's example. Friends, don't be indifferent to your faith. Our spiritual journey is not you tick the box, you raised your hand, you got prayed for, full stop, you're saved, that's it. It's not like that. Can you imagine if marriage was like that? You turn up, You sign the papers, done. Don't need to do anything. There's a question in our life groups. Can you be a true believer of Jesus, a true follower of Jesus and not change? And it's like asking, can you get married and not change? Anyone who's married will tell you, you change whether you like it or not. Whether it's your choice or whether it's forced upon you, you change. I know this because I was putting on face scrub again this morning. Okay? You change. And as in the same way, when you, are, when you are walking with Christ, you change. You grow. It's not acceptable for you to just be in the same spot. The saddest thing would be is if we were to meet in 10 years' time, 
you know, our church is five and a half years old now. So we're, you know, we're about to hit six years. And I think the saddest thing would be after 10 years, we get to our 10 year celebration and, and I sit down and I sit down with some of the guys that started at church and I ask them, do you feel like you've grown? No, I don't really feel like I've grown, but I've turned up every week. That would make me so sad. After 10 years, I don't think that's what God desires. As I said, struggle, you can struggle all you want. That's a part of life. That's a part of growth. You learn the most in your struggle times. So if you're struggling, please don't feel like that's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not. I'm talking about indifference. Seriously, I'm talking about like, if you're still, if you've been coming to church for more than one year, and, and we, when we say, let's go to the Bible, if you're starting in the contents, okay, that's a pretty good indicator that you probably aren't opening your Bible as much. I shared this with the guys, like my Korean, like uh, when, when people ask me to pray in Korean, it, it's, it's horrible because my, my, my spirituality has changed, but my Korean language hasn't changed since when I was like seven years old. And so when, when, when we end up, and I, I, rarely these days, but when they ask me to pray in Korean, I have the exact same prayer that I was praying in high school. And it starts with this line, dear God, thank you for this beautiful weather. And it, it is regardless of whatever is happening outside, the storm, the tsunami, you know, lightning, thunder, whatever is happening outside, dear God, thank you for this beautiful weather. And it shows that I have not grown in my Koreanness. My language. And you know what? Most people would go, that is ridiculous. That is, how do you even live? Like, how do you accept that, right? But just be careful that that's not what you accept in your faith. God wants you to grow. You know what? I'll finish with this. God loves you. God loves you. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you on the cross so that you can be his son and daughter. He wants you to belong to him. That's his desire. He's pursuing you. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you've been a part of, what you've done in your life, maybe an addiction that you're you know, struggling with. It doesn't matter because God loves you where you're at. And he'll accept you and you will belong to him where you're at. There's nothing that changes out of that. But God also loves you that much that he doesn't want you to stay where you're at. He accepts you for who you are and where you're at, but he loves you so much that he wants, he doesn't want you to just stay there. He wants to help you to grow and be more like his son, Jesus. I pray that you would desire that. I pray that, you know, coming to church on a Sunday wouldn't just be about ticking a box, but it would be about growing, development, this is how we become like Jesus. We ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? Let's pray.